Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The psalmist wrote those very things. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's like he's telling himself, hey, you, praise the Lord. Don't sit idle. Forcing himself to praise the Lord. Because the Lord is worthy. (laughs) God is worthy. God is doing something among his people. Do you sense that? Do you sense that God is pouring out? And as he was telling us this morning, just pouring from the pitcher if you will, the picture of the Holy Spirit into the vessel that will receive that water of life, that life-giving water. God wants to do that. Is your vessel prepared to receive what God is pouring into you? And we need to ask ourselves those things, you know. Are we prepared for what God wants to do in our lives? Because if we're not, we can't receive what God is ready to do. We need our vessels prepared. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. I mean, it doesn't work that way, all right? But we are doing what we need to to receive, all right? One of those things that we need to do is to watch. Where, Where is God moving? Watch and listen to the Holy Spirit. What is this, the Holy Spirit saying? What is, what is God leading us to do? Now, we've been praying here amongst the elders and trustees and um, ladies groups and, and things like that. And here on Wednesday nights that God, you know, we pray for the normal things, those that need help and, and those that need healing and, and all of those things. And um, God, those things are very important, but we're pressing in farther. We're not allo- allowing those surface things to prevent us from digging deeper into the Holy Spirit. We are pressing forward. God, what is your will for us here at Alabama? What is your will for this church? What is your will for us as we attempt to reach into the community? What is your will for my life? God wants to lead us into perfect righteousness. He wants to lead us, as the Bible says, into all truth. And if we are not ready, if we're not watching and alert, the Bible talks about a watchman on the wall. And in old days, and maybe even still in some countries around the world, they have what's called a watchman. And his job is to look out for bad guys coming to the city. All right? And if the city was surrounded in many cases by a wall of protection, they would have a watchman watching for those that are coming. It's like a security system. Okay? Now, This security system, if he saw something bad coming, he would notify those responsible. But his job 
was to yell out if something bad was coming. He would be watching the horizon from all directions to make sure that the city was safe. And if he was able to see something coming on the horizon, something far, far away, he could notify the city and the city could send out a delegation or their army if necessary and say, do you come in peace or are we going to fight? Okay? Now, if this watchman on the wall failed to do his duty, failed to notify those inside that he is responsible for protecting, if he failed to do that, then the city, the blood of that city would be upon his hands. The watchman on the wall. Friends, we need to be watching with that sort of importance, that sort of alertness, ready for God to pour into us. Ready for God to move. And it's not like he's going to do a one big move and then that's it. It's like he continues to pour and pour and pour. And as long as we are receiving it and holding the Holy Spirit, that water of the Holy Spirit in our vessels, if we are receiving it and holding that water, then he continues to pour and to pour and to pour. And friends, trust me when I tell you, That's what we want. We want that Holy Spirit in our lives because it's the thing that makes religion real. It's the thing that Jesus, as he knew that he was heading back to heaven, he knew that he was not going to leave his disciples alone. But that only when he left, you see, God the Father could not send the Holy Spirit to them until Jesus was headed home. You understand? And they said, well, we don't want you to go. And he said to them, well, unless I go, the Father cannot send the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that he had to go. And, but he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you alone. I will not abandon you. But he says, my father, when I leave, my father will send you the holy one, the comforter, the counselor. And that comforter, that Holy Spirit, friends, is the sustenance of the Christian life. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you are lacking what it takes to live in obedience to God. You are lacking the power of God indwelled in your life. You are lacking the joy of being a follower of Jesus. And you are lacking the effectiveness in being able to reach others. The Holy Spirit is the key, is is the center of, that holds it all together. The Holy Spirit is so very important. As today is the first Sunday in Advent, and we, we began to speak a little bit about this last year, we, we have not really been very much involved in the Advent um, liturgical things, if you want to call it that. And 
Um, but there is some importance here that we can really draw from. And I know that by now you are probably feeling the frenzy. Are you feeling the frenzy, friends? Catch that pun there, right? Are you feeling the frenzy of Christmas, the Christmas season? And by frenzy, let's talk about this a little bit. Frenzy, I would suggest to you that commercials on TV talking about toys and lots of fun things. Yeah, that's right. All these toys that get your kids all riled up and, Mommy, Daddy, I want one of them. I want that Play-Doh set. I want that Lego set. I want that bike. Maybe in your schools, you've, you're beginning to practice for programs and, and plays and things like that. Or maybe even in Sunday school or church, you're preparing for those things. So, so now, in an already busy life, we've got extra things in school. And maybe even at work, you're having um, various parties and, and you've got a secret Santa thing going on. So now you've got to go get a gift for somebody else and that kind of stuff, right? So you've got shopping on top of it, maybe some extra family gatherings. Even now you're planning those, when you're going to meet, where you're going to meet, who's going to do what, are we giving gifts to, the, to everybody, are we giving gifts only to the children, you're making all these various plans, right? What about Black Friday? How many of you went out on Black Friday? Less than a half a dozen of you that are willing to admit it. <laughs> How many of you took advantage of like Cyber Monday or they actually extend it out a lot now? All right, more of you are taking advantage of the um, almost like a Black Friday thing, but on the internet, all right? So now you're scurrying, you're rushing to get these great deals before time runs out, and so that creates pressure and that creates maybe even some stress because you want to be able to, to make those savings and so you got to rush and get in there before, one, it's all gone, and number two, the sale ends, and you're out of luck, paying full price. Maybe you have been decorating. Who decorates? Okay. Most of you decorate. How many decorate outside? All right, maybe less than half of you, all right? My home becomes a winter wonderland on Dunlap Road. A winter wonderland decked to the hilt inside and even more so outside. And so it takes us weeks if not months, to get all this stuff up. We're about halfway right now. And by the time it's up for Christmas, I'm so tired of messing around with it, it stays up for another six months. 
Amen. Those of you who are creative are probably in the process already of making some gifts that you will be either giving to your family or to your friends or um, things like that. So now you've, you, you've got to go out and get the, the uh, supplies that you need. Maybe there's some paint you need or some lumber or some um, material that you need or some, you know, things like that. You're preparing, and then comes the time where you've got to give that time to put that piece, that creativity, uh, and you're bringing about a product, a gift to give to someone, and that all takes a lot of time, doesn't it? Maybe some of you are bakers. Any bakers in the house? And I'm not talking your last name. Those of you who can bake, all right. So some of you are already baking cookies, of which I have received none, I might add. So some of you are already busy making your cookies. Some of you make them and freeze them so that you can keep making more and giving more away. Some of you are making them fresh and they don't even get given away because they all eaten. But you get the idea. So we become filled with all of these extra things on top of an already busy life. A frenzy. Maybe some of you are working more hours to pay for Christmas. All right? Maybe some of you have taken on another part-time job or asked for some overtime to pay for what will be going out this Christmas. And so all of these things contribute to the frenzy of this joyous holiday season and can very easily strip our focus off of what really matters. So what do we do as Christians to help draw our focus back to the things that really matter? What can we do? You know, yes, as, as our families are gathering, we might talk about, you know, uh, the story of Christmas and how Jesus was born. We might attend a wonderful Christmas Eve service with the First Baptist Church here at Alabama at 6.30 on Christmas Eve. We might do something like that. I hope you do. You know, but what can we do to hone our focus that while, because you can't really stop some of those things, some of those things are just going to happen as part of it, right? Okay, so what can we do then with those things in mind to help to rein in our focus onto what is important? This is the reason for Advent, all right? Now, you see here a, a wreath, and it's got three candles that are purple, one pink, and then a center one. And so each of these represents a week leading up to Christmas, okay? And though the Advent wreath and candles are not the priority, they are just something. They're a tool 
that we can use to help us focus. And each candle for each week has a different purpose and a different focus. And the first week's focus is hope. This week's focus, the first week of Advent, Advent, is hope. We as Christians have hope. We had to wait for a long time. We had to wait. There was the hope of Christ's coming. All right? Now, the, the word Advent is taken from the Latin word advenio, which means coming or coming to. All right? Coming up to. All right? And so we had to wait for uh, the coming of Christ. We were leading up to the coming of Christ. We were waiting for it. We had heard all about it in the prophecies that were given in the Old Testament. And we were praying for, we were waiting for the fulfillment of those prophecies. Do you know that some people, including Israel, are still waiting for the Messiah? They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He, they don't believe that he is the one. Well, on this, this wreath, and I, I want to be really careful here because I don't, what I don't want is for us to put all of our focus on the candles and the wreath as, as beautiful as they are. I don't, I, I don't want to, um, are going through the motions of lighting these things. That is not the priority here at all. And I want to get that really, really straight, Okay. But can we use something as simple as this to help us remember? You know, you can have these things in your homes, and they look, you know, different. And uh, some of you, after last year, started to do this very thing. And I'm glad, because it does help you to, to focus. It has me. And if it does that with me, I'm hoping it'll do that with you. The danger that we have is if we take the focus off of the Messiah, if we take the focus off of Jesus himself and put it on performing these acts of remembrance, then it's all for nothing. But if it helps us, if we use it as a tool to help us as we would use the internet, as we would use uh, Bible studies or even um, our daily breads or things like that to help us focus, those things are very helpful. I find them very helpful. This is no different. This is just a visual reminder of where our focus should be, friends, on Jesus In this season of Advent, we, we spiritually waited in our darkness, in our sin, with a, a uh, hopeful expectation of the fulfillment of our promised redemption, our promised salvation through this one Jesus Christ, who would take our sins upon him 
and bear the iniquities of many. And when Christ Jesus was born, God had already put into place the plan of salvation. And when Jesus came to earth, it began the plan of God's salvation here on earth. His plan of redemption of mankind. Now the first two weeks of Advent or the two, first couple, we, we do the purple candles, and then we'll do the pink one. And, and, but each one has its own meaning. And this week, again, is, is hope. And it's, we're lighting the prophet's candle, reminding us that Jesus, back then, they were still waiting for Jesus to come. So we're kind of thinking back into the way the, the people, see, Jesus has already come. We're familiar with him. We have received him. He's come and he's lived and he's died. But before that, they were still waiting for this fulfillment to happen. It was a really, really big deal. It's different now. We've, all, we've had Jesus come. C.S. Lewis says, The birth of Christ is the central event in his, the history of the earth, the very thing the whole story has been about. The central event in the history of the earth. The very thing the whole story has been about. Advent prepares us for the celebration of the birth of Christ. It prepares us. It helps us to get our vessels ready. We talked about how God was pouring His Spirit into our lives, the vessels of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where God's Holy Spirit lives. Amen? And so these temples need to be prepared. We need to have them ready for Christ's spirit to take residence because Christ lives in us. What was that old song that we used to sing? Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, that the king is in residence there. So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, let the whole world know. So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know, that that the king is in residence there. Old, old, old school. Surprise you, I remember that, didn't I? I went to Sunday school too, you know. Yeah? Wow. The king is in residence here, friends. And you don't have the king come someplace that is not prepared. You prepare the place where the king will stay. The king stays right here. And so our vessels need to be ready to be prepared. Well, what can we do to prepare ourselves for God 
to be in residence here, to pour in more of his Holy Spirit, to continue to pour in his Holy Spirit. We can begin to purify ourselves. What's that mean? We, we repent. We, we ask forgiveness. We, we recognize that we have sin. All right? And our sin separates us from God. Our sin makes us dirty before a stench in the nostrils of a holy king, if you will. You follow? And so we want to, in a sense, make ourselves clean for the pouring in of his Holy Spirit. And how do we get clean? Is it through Advent? Is it through, um, you know, a shower? Is it through going to church? No. It's submitting ourselves to Christ the Lord Jesus in humility, recognizing that we have been disobedient and asking for the blood of Christ Jesus to cover those sins and washing us clean. That is the only, only, only way that we are clean, that we are cleansed. The word hope in the Bible has a few different meanings, and one, uh, it's taken from tikva, if that means anything to you. It contains a sense of eager anticipation, if you will. This tikva is the original, and, or a waiting, an anticipation of or a waiting for something, okay? The second is elpis which depicts a sense of confident expectation based on certainty. Biblical hope is secured by God's faithfulness to his promises. Now, so the people of old were trusting that through these prophecies that God was going to keep his promises and deliver Israel from her oppressors. God was going to send the promised one, to save them from their sins. And so if we take the one, the tikva, the sense of that eager anticipation or waiting, and then we add that to the elpis, which is a sense of confident expectation. So we have a confidence and an expectation that God is going to fill this waiting that we are doing now. And the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall do what? They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The biblical hope, which is the focus of this week's candle, is secured by God's faithfulness to his promises. God, they were believing that God was going to come through, though they couldn't see it. We have seen the fulfillment that God sent this Jesus, this Messiah, 
They did not. They were still waiting. The Old Testament leaders were, their hope was in the arrival of the Messiah. For us, it is the Messiah's return. You see the difference there? For them, it was the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. For us, it is the return of the Messiah, Jesus' second coming. God's plan of salvation unfolded in a, a little shed, if you will, in a box where animals feed from, in a shed, in a feed box. Boy, that's pretty humble, isn't it? Why would God choose to send His only Son to a place so dirty and probably stinky? Why would God do that? Why would God send His Son, the promised Messiah, the Deliverer of Israel, and hence the rest of the world, in such humble circumstances? And the message of this is just so gorgeous and so beautiful. And if we really understand it, and if we take this to heart, it really affects how we see the world and how we see our Lord and our Savior. Why in coordination with that would He send the message, the duty of spreading the word that a child has been born in Bethlehem to shepherds? Now, we've talked about this before. Shepherds in those days are not like shepherds nowadays. When we think of a shepherd, we think of David and how, how strong he was and how um, he did whatever he could to protect his sheep. We think of the Lord Jesus as our shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd. But back then, it was not. It was not that way at all. They were thieves. They were stinky. They were poor. They were liars. That is the way they were looked upon in these days. So why then would God the Father send His Son in such humble circumstances? Why would He send the most important message to ever be sent by shepherds? Why would He do that? Because, friends, he wanted us to know that we, even sinners, can have access to the king. Even sinners like you and I can have access to Christ Jesus the Lord, the Almighty, the King of kings. Why? Why He could have sent Jesus and had him born in a palace in the finest of linens, 
in the finest of circumstances and many, many people waiting on him to his every beck and, and whine and cry. And he could have, instead of pieces of cloth, he would have had a little clothes to wear that were beautiful and fit for a prince. But no, the father would not have it. Because people would then feel that they didn't have access to this king, this, this prince. God the Father wanted you and me to know that, yes, we can have access just like the richest of people. We too can have access to this king. Isn't that beautiful? He didn't want us as sinners to be excluded. Many of the scriptures of old, the prophecies have been fulfilled already. Some we are still awaiting even to this day as we consistently watch Israel. Our hope is in Christ Jesus alone. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hallelujah. Oh, boy. Jesus would live 33 and a half years. He, he would lead a sinless life. He was perfect. The spotless Lamb that would be sacrificed on our behalf, the spotless lamb. And today, we light a candle in remembrance of the hope that we have in Christ's return and the hope that those of old had in Christ's coming. Today, we remember that hope. <laughs> in Isaiah chapter 7, verse Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has come down in his son, Christ Jesus, into the form of of this baby born in a, in a shed, in a feed box, given the message to lowliest of lows, the shepherds, to spread the message of his coming. You see, he didn't come in. And I think of 
30, 33 years later when Jesus rode in on the colt of a donkey. Do you remember that? You know, Palm Sunday, we celebrate that now. Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode through Jerusalem and I walked to those very streets, I hope someday you can do that as well. Maybe we can go together and walk those streets where Jesus walked to go to the Mount of Olives and look over the Kidron Valley to see the temple, to see where King David had his quarters, his his place, and the, the narrow streets where Jesus rode that colt to follow the narrow streets where Jesus carried the cross to Mount Calvary. That is, it is something. Jesus is the hope of this world. Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible says peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that's not meaning you and me get along. All right? That's not, that's not meaning goodwill towards your fellow man. This means peace between God and us when we were separated from Him because of our sin. Now we can have peace between us and God because of what Christ Jesus did. Because God sent His only Son. And it, and it just it all comes back to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I've gotten to the point to where the next Scripture really needs to be right there with it. And, and it says that, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. That's John three seventeen. God didn't send His Son, baby Jesus, to condemn the world, No. He sent His Son to save the world through Him. That's how much He loved you and I. Would you stand with me today? As this candle burns today, or maybe in your homes, as you, if you choose to uh, follow this, Advent, season of Advent, Let us remember and focus our hearts on the hope that we have of Christ's returning and the hope that those of old had in Christ's coming. Brother, would you close us with a song? Emmanuel Emmanuel His name is called Emmanuel
revealed in us. Revealed in us. His name is called Emmanuel. Let's sing that chorus again. Father God, we come before you today. We just want to give you all the praise and glory and honor and love that we can give. We focus our hearts on you during this Advent season. And Lord, we're trying to do better to focus on you. We don't want to focus on performing certain acts that, or anything like that. But Lord, we want, we want to do better on focusing our hearts on you. And may these Advent teachings and candles and wreath and these simple things that really mean nothing, may they help us to remember what you have done. To remember, to hope in your return. Be glorified in our lives. And Father, may you give us the words to say to remind other people of the reason for the season in Jesus Christ the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.